Hello and welcome to Grace Life Sir Lowry's Pass. We are a gospel-centered church family focused on reaching the unreached and making disciples. We pray this teaching will help you to grow in your relationship with Jesus and discover more of the reality of Christianity. Good morning everyone. We are still in the letter to the Ephesians and it has really been a blessing to me to go through Ephesians and I trust it has been for you as well. Amen. I know that some of you have been reading Ephesians in your own time and that is excellent. Amen. That is good. So to start today's message, I would just like to go uh, and do a short recap of what stood out for us uh, in each chapter so far by highlighting some key verses, highlighting some key verses. And there's really so much good and important um, verses uh, that it was kind of difficult for me to take one out, you know. Take out one verse and to leave another because they are all so important and they all actually fit together um, because it's one book, it's one letter, amen? Um, and we don't want to take verses out of context, but I think I got the most essential ones and I know that you have understanding as well, so you've been reading Ephesians and if I take a verse out of context here, I believe I will not give it a wrong definition, but we know what we're talking about. <laughs> okay, so from Ephesians 1, uh, we have uh, verse 13, verse 13. Please, uh, if you have a Bible, follow in your Bible. Alright, Ephesians 1, verse 13. It says, and I'm reading from the New Living Translation, and now you Gentiles that's us, huh? yeah. have also heard the truth, the good news that God saves you. And when you believed in Christ, He identified you as His own by giving you the Holy Spirit. That's already, that's amazing, huh? God has identified you as His own by giving you the Holy Spirit. Whom He promised long ago. The Spirit is God's guarantee that He will give us the inheritance He promised and that He has purchased us to be His own people. He did this so that we can praise and glorify Him. Okay, so that's the verse that I choose to kind of highlight Ephesians chapter 1. The key verse. It was Ephesians 1, verse 13 to 14. I'm reading from New Living Translation. Yeah. Okay, so the first point that he makes there is God saves the whole world. Amen? Salvation was not just for the Jews. We get this salvation simply when we believe in Christ. That is so important, guys. We get this great salvation, this great gift of eternal life. By only believing. Amen. Believing and trusting in Christ. When I say believing, I'm talking about trust. You are trusting Him for your salvation. You don't look to yourself. You don't depend on your own works. You don't depend on how good you are. Yeah. You trust in Christ. The day you lay your head down, you can have peace because you know that 
you will enter heaven now Amen. as you close your eyes because not of anything you have done but because Jesus' sacrifice was enough. Amen. That's huge. To in that moment not stress about anything. Imagine that. We can have peace when we die knowing without the shadow of a doubt that we will be with Him because Jesus' sacrifice was enough. When we are given the Holy Spirit uh, and we become one with God, we become His sons and daughters. That's the second point I would like to highlight there. We become God's sons and daughters. If you are a believer, you have the Spirit of God in you. Amen. You have become His dwelling place. We are complete and we do not need anything more from God. But to enjoy relationship with Him. Amen. But God has given us everything. You remember how we said that every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places has been poured out on us. There is no blessing that God held back in heaven. All of the blessings that He has for us in heaven has been poured out. And we have that by simply being one with Jesus. Number three, we now have an inheritance. That inheritance is eternal life and every blessing in heaven. Just like I just said, there is nothing more you need to get. You've already got it all. Amen? We have all also received the same. No? Yeah. I don't have anything more than you do. You don't have anything less than I do or more than I do. The difference is that we receive. It is by knowledge, knowing that what we've got, that we can receive what we have already. Opening up that gift, I made a, a picture of opening up a gift, if yeah. you can remember. All we need to do is open and unwrap the gift that God has already given us. And then Ephesians 1 verse 17 is also very important. Like I said, I can't just take out one verse. It's also good. Amen. Ephesians 1 verse 17. <clears throat> Asking God, the glorious Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, to give you spiritual wisdom and insight so that you might grow in your knowledge of Him. We've been given so much, but we won't know what we have if we don't grow in our knowledge of Him. Okay? Paul prays for understanding. We find in Ephesians 1, one of the prayers that Paul made for the church. The other one is in Ephesians 3. But Paul prays that we might grow in our knowledge of God. That we would understand all these wonderful truths and grow in our knowledge. Amen. Amen. And then Rita shared from Ephesians 2 about the wonderful salvation uh, that we have because of Jesus. Ephesians 2 explains how completely lost we are without God. The, belie the unbeliever is described as dead, under the control of the devil. His spirit is at work in their hearts. If you look at Ephesians 4 verse 17 to 19... Paul says that their minds are full of darkness and confusion. Their minds are closed and their hearts they have hardened against God. Ephesians 4 verse 17. Let's quickly go there. Ephesians 4 verse 17. <clears throat> With the Lord's authority I say this. Ephesians 4 verse 17. 
Live no longer as the Gentiles do, for they are hopelessly confused. Their minds are full of darkness. They wander far from the life God gives, because they have closed their minds and hardened their hearts against Him. You see, it's not Him hardening their hearts. They harden their own hearts. Amen. They have no sense of shame. They live for lustful pleasure and eagerly practice every kind of impurity. Paul makes it clear that we, and this was the condition that we were all in, amen, as unbelievers. This was our condition. We were completely helpless. We could not save ourselves. We were prisoners of a, and, and in need of a Savior. Amen. When I read that description of an unbeliever, it's amazing to me that someone like that, with a heart so hardened, with a, with a mind so darkened, could even be saved. Mm. Huh? Wow. It's amazing that someone like that can be saved. Because that person needs to make a decision in order to believe and in order to be saved. What will make someone like that believe? Someone who is so lost, so under the control of the devil, so um, ruled by the flesh, so, so whose mind is so darkened, whose heart is so hardened. What can, what, can make someone like, what can make someone like that believe? Love. Amen. Love. Romans 2 verse 4. Romans 2 verse 4. Romans 2 verse 4. <clears throat> or do you despise, this is from the King, New King James Version that I read this verse. Uh, or do you despise the riches of His goodness, the riches of His goodness, forbearance and long-suffering, that is patience, not knowing that the goodness of God leads you to repentance. The goodness of God leads you to repentance. Is it the fear of hell? Is it need for earthly things that lead men to repentance? What if you have everything? What if you are rich? You don't need anything. Then if, if we bring a message that, that life is going to be all roses and daisies and you're going to get everything you want, that, that kind of message is not going to appeal to, to someone who has everything. Amen? Eternal life is what we, what we all need. But it is the goodness of God that leads you to repentance. And not the goodness of what we can get from God. The goodness of God. Who He is. The word repentance. What does it mean? To bakir. Om to bakir. It is that. It is to turn from your sin. But it is to change your mind. Amen. The word repent means to change the way you think. When people truly taste and see that God is love, that He is good, that He is kind, that He is patient, that He gives life and has nothing to do with death. I found that that is one of the main reasons people don't want anything to do with God. Because they think that God takes away people. They think that God kills people. And... Um, 
they, they repent. The way they think about Him changes. That is repentance. Once they taste His goodness, they change the way they think about Him. And they put their trust in Him. But first they need to hear it. And where do they hear it? In the Gospel. Amen. Amen. Ephesians 2 verse 8. Let's go back to Ephesians 2 verse 8. The Gospel tells us about the love and the goodness of God. Amen. And the Gospel leads men to repentance. The goodness of God. The Gospel is the message of the goodness of God. That leads men to change the way they think about Him. And to turn to Him. Amen. The Gospel is so important. And it is so important that we preach a pure Gospel. A Gospel of grace. Amen. Okay. <clears throat> Ephesians 2 verse 8. Ephesians 2 verse 8. says, God saved you by His grace when you believed. God saved you by His grace. That is Him not treating you as you deserve, but treating you better than you deserve. Grace, that is what grace is. When you believed, and you can't take credit for this, it is a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done. So none of us can boast about it. None of us can be proud about anything that we do for salvation. Because there is nothing that we can do to earn salvation. Okay, Salvation is all Jesus. We cannot add anything to the work that Jesus did on the cross. Jesus' sacrifice was for the whole world. The gift of salvation... And everything in it, like forgiveness, healing, righteousness, justification, eternal life, relationship with God, the Holy Spirit, every blessing in heaven, holiness, the new nature, all of that is ours. And it is absolutely free and available to anyone who believes and trusts in Jesus. It's free. The greatest things that we can get in this life is free. Amen. That's good news. Huh? Amen. That's great news. I've seen so many movies of people trying to gain eternal life. It's the fountain of youth and uh, if you, especially if you watch Pirates of the Caribbean. It's all about this. There's one pirate looking for eternal life. And he, he looks, goes all across the world to, to find something that will make him live forever. And I believe that that is a need in all people. Everyone wants to live forever. Amen. And that is what we have in Jesus. Eternal life, the greatest gift that we can receive is absolutely free. Okay. It's all there. We need to choose whether we want to whether we want it or not. If you want it, you just take it. How do you take it? How do you receive the gift? By believing. Yes, by faith in Jesus. Amen. 
It's very easy. I'm not trying to trick you. It's very simple. The gospel is irresistible. I believe the gospel is irresistibly good news. If we do not put price tags on it. The reason most people don't want it is because of ignorance. They are unfamiliar with the goodness of God. Their view of God is wrong. And therefore they reject His invitations. Our job is to show them that they believe a lie. And that the truth is that God is good and not bad. Amen. <laughs> oh, there he goes, I think. <laughs> okay. The gospel is irresistibly good news if you preach it right. Amen. Amen. Philip preached from Ephesians 3 about the mysterious plan of God revealed. The key verses in chapter 3, I would say, is Ephesians 3, verse 6. Ephesians 3, verse 6 to 7. <clears throat> and this is God's plan. Both Gentiles and Jews who believe the good news, share equally in the riches inherited by God's children. Both are part of the same body, and both enjoy the promise of blessings, because they belong to Christ Jesus. By God's grace and mighty power, I have been given the privilege of serving Him by spreading this good news. So the plan was that all people would have access to God. Amen. All people would share in evenly, evenly in the inheritance of God's children. Remember in my first message how we uh, looked at how the Jews thought that it was only them. You know? That it was all about them. They did not realize that God's plan included the whole world. They were very self-focused. They were happy to have it all themselves and not to share it. We mustn't be like that. No? Yeah. We've got the greatest gift, the greatest thing that everyone wants, eternal life and relationship with God. We've got it and we can give it freely to people. It's very hard to not do it if you don't know Christ. Amen. Uh, yeah. I want to look today at our unity and peace in Christ. And we find that in Ephesians 4, but also in Ephesians 2, verse 11 to 22. Okay, but first we are going to uh, Ephesians 2. Ephesians 2. And the title in my Bible, it says, Oneness and Peace in Christ. Oneness and Peace in Christ. And that's what we're going to talk about today. Ephesians 2 verse 11. Don't forget that you Gentiles used to be outsiders. You were called uncircumcised heathens by the Jews who were proud of their circumcision, even though it affected only their bodies and not their hearts. In those days, you were living apart from Christ. You were excluded from the citizenship among the people of Israel, and you did not know the covenant promises uh, God made to them, 
You lived in this world without God and without hope. That's very sad. But now you have been united with Christ Jesus. Once you were far away from God, but now you have been brought near to Him through the blood of Christ. That's beautiful. Here we see once again the condition of our lives without God. We were outsiders, living far and apart from God, without hope and without God. People put their hope in many things, and they will be disappointed. Amen. Amen. Only when we put our hope in Jesus will we not be disappointed. Verse 13 gives us the good news. Oh no, yeah, it's verse 13. And I like how it says, but now. But now. Say, but now. But now. But now we have been united with Christ Jesus. We were far and separate from Him, but now you are close to Him. But now you have been brought near to Him. Paul reminds them and us of where we were, yeah. but who we are now. Amen. 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 He wants them to focus on the truth of now, who they are now. But now you have been united with Christ Jesus. Once you were far away from God, but now you have been brought near to Him through the blood of Christ. Amen. Amen. That is where He wants their focus to be. And that is where our focus needs to be as well. Forget about the past. Forget about your past. Forget about what you have done. What, even what people have done unto you. But now. But now. What does that matter when you are close to Christ? What does that matter when you are one with Him? Amen. Romans 5 sounds a lot like what we just read here in Ephesians. Romans 5 verse 1. Romans 5 verse 1. Are you there? Therefore, since we have been made right in God's sight by faith. Since we have been made right in God's sight by faith. What is that talking about? It's talking about salvation. Eh? It's just put in different words. When we are saved, we are put in right relationship with Jesus. Okay. Since we have been made right in God's sight by faith, we have peace with God because of what Jesus Christ our Lord has done for us. He has done it for us. Wow. Thank you, Jesus. Because of our faith, Christ has brought us into this place of undeserved privilege where we now stand. The focus, no? This is where you stand now. In a place of undeserved privilege. And we confidently and joyfully look forward to sharing God's glory. We can rejoice, verse 3. We can rejoice too. When we run into problems and trials. For we know that they help us develop endurance. And endurance develops strength of character. And character strengthens our confident hope of salvation. Verse 5. And this hope will not lead to disappointment. This hope will not lead to disappointment. For we know. 
And he's saying this to remind you. So in case you don't know, for we know how dearly God loves us. God loves you. Amen. Because He has given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with His love. I love how it says that we can have a confident, we can have a confident hope. Do you know uh, why we can have such a confident hope? Because our hope is based on the truth of God's word. Amen, yes. Absolutely, absolutely. I put it in a different way. <laughs> it is because it is not based on anything we do or have done. As Romans 5 verse 2 says here, or is it 3? No, it's verse 2. Christ has brought us into this place of undeserved privilege. What do you think that means? Undeserved privilege, where we now stand. Undeserved means? Yeah, it's undeserved. You cannot deserve it. You do not deserve it. <laughs> but you get it because of Jesus. All of it is based on Jesus' performance on our behalf. That is why, that is why we can have confident hope. Because our performance is up and down, isn't it? Jesus' performance was perfect. And it is done. Amen. He said it is finished. So nothing can be changed about that. It is finished. Our hope is rooted in something that does not change. Something that is constant forever. God's love for us. We need to see ourselves this way. I am not far from God. I am one with Him. Amen. Let's say that together. I am not far from God. I am one with Him. I am not hopeless. I have the best hope there is. My hope is in the one thing that cannot disappoint. My hope is in the one thing that cannot disappoint. The love of Jesus. Amen. It is not about my performance. It is about Jesus' perfect performance on my behalf. Amen. We need to understand that um, no one begged God to do this for us. It wasn't someone else's idea. God came up with this. It was His idea. He initiated it. Do you know what it means to initiate something? It means you start it. It, it comes from your, your desires. This came from God's desires. He initiated it. Amen? Amen. No one begged God for it. He didn't do it reluctantly. He did it gladly. He came, he came up with it. And He made it happen when He came to earth, died on the cross, and rose from the dead after three days. And it's easy to say that in one sentence. But put yourself in his shoes. Jesus had to sweat blood. He had to endure a lot of, <laughs> a lot of things. 33 years on this earth. With people who hated him, persecuted him. People who wanted nothing to do with him. Yet he came to save us. Amen. Amen.
Ephesians 2 verse 14. Let's go back to Ephesians. Ephesians 2 verse 14. For Christ Himself has brought peace to us. There we get it again. It is Christ. Huh? Christ Himself has brought peace to us. He united the Jews and the Gentiles into one people when, in His own body on the cross, He broke down the wall of hostility that separated us. Verse 15. He did this by ending the system of law with its commandments and regulations. He made peace between Jews and Gentiles by creating in Himself one new people from the two groups. Who is that talking about? That is talking about us. That is talking about the church. Amen. Beautiful. Together as one body, Christ reconciled both groups to God by means of His death on the cross. And our hostility towards each other was put to death. Wow. That is, I had to kind of wrap my brain around this whole thing. Um, because we understand what God's sacrifice was about, salvation and all of that, and that's usually our focus. But this was a new thought for me. Together as one body, Christ reconciled both groups to God by means of His death on the cross. And this, this, this aspect of it, our hostility toward each other yeah. as brothers and sisters, as people, yeah, was put to death. That is another thing. I never, I never saw that. That Jesus put to death hostility between people. We need to remember the audience Paul was writing this letter to. On the one hand, we had the Jewish believers who were proud of who they were as a nation chosen by God through which the Savior, the King, would come. Okay, And we have the Gentile believers. That was anyone and everyone that was not Jewish. And during this time that Paul wrote this letter to them, uh, the country was ruled by Gentiles, okay, the Romans. So the Gentiles were ruling over the Jews in the land, in the same land, the promised land. You know what the promised land is? No? That God promised them in, in the 40 days, or not the 40 days, the 40 years that they had to get through, through the wilderness. That promised land they were living in now, but it was being ruled by the Gentiles. Which shows you that it wasn't really about the, 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 the country itself, the yeah. land itself. The promise wasn't about that. It was much greater. Yes. Um, but they were, they were, that's what they were feeling. We are being ruled in our own land that should be ours, that we should be ruling. These Gentiles are ruling over us. So you can understand the division between the two people. Okay? And how they didn't like each other. To put it lightly. <laughs> okay? And the Gentiles weren't very nice rulers either. Okay? Another thing that divided the Jews and the rest of the world was the system of law and His commandments and regulations. Let's look again there at Ephesians 2 verse 14. That says, 
For Christ himself has brought peace to us. He united Jews and Gentiles into one people in his own body on the cross. He broke down the wall of hostility that separated us. He did this by ending the system of law with its commandments and regulations. What is he talking about here? The answer is there in the text. The system of law with its commandments and regulations is the law. Mm-hmm. Eh? The law. He made peace between Jews and Gentiles by creating in himself one people from the two groups. Something interesting that, we, that I read this week in, uh, in one of Andrew Womack's commentaries. Uh, he says he broke down the wall of hostility that separated us. Now, in the temple in Jerusalem where the Jews worship God, there is actually a wall, a physical wall, that separated the Jews and the Gentiles. And there was a sign that said that if any Gentiles were to pass through the wall or go into the Jewish section, they would be killed. So there was literally a wall in the temple that separated Jews and Gentiles. That is the kind of separation that there was. Sorry, my thing locked. Um, <clears throat> he did this by ending the system of law with his commandments and regulations. Okay. Let me just see. I lost my place now. Okay, yeah. So what we are talking about is the temple, the priests, the sacrifices of animals for sin. Do you know that in that time they killed animals? They even do it, some people even do it today to get forgiveness for their sins. How sad is that? Right. That's why we need to we need to share the gospel. It, that to think that people still sacrifice animals for their sins. Okay, but this is what the Jews were doing. Okay, and hundreds of rules and laws that literally caused separation between Jews and Gentiles. The whole system of worship uh, that was brought in with Moses. Okay, and the law. Here's a quick example from Acts 10 verse 28. Acts 10 verse 28. Handelingen 10 verse 28. This is, this is the, I think it is the story where, where Peter gets a vision about going to share the gospel with the Gentile. And uh, God had to repeat the vision three times for, for Peter to, to actually go to the Gentile. And then in Acts 10 verse uh, 28, Peter sa- it says, Peter told them, You know it is against our laws for a Jewish man to enter a Gentile home like this, or to associate with you. Just to associate with Gentiles was, the Jews didn't do that. But God has shown me that I should no longer think of anyone as impure or unclean. There were rules of clean and unclean as well that separated Jews and Gentiles. Okay. So laws had literally separated the two groups. But Jesus ended the hostility when he died on the cross. I like how it says that hostility was put to death. 
And that's what we need to do as well. Amen. Eh? We need to put to death all hostility between, between ourselves. Well, actually, Jesus did it. Amen. How did Jesus do it? Uh, how did Jesus fulfill the law? The answer to that question could be a message on its own. Okay. But very short and basic is number one. He fulfilled all the prophecies. Jesus fulfilled all the prophecies. You understand what I mean? Yes. He obeyed every law. He never permitted sin outwardly in action or inwardly in his heart. Jesus never sinned. Amen. 1 Peter 2 verse 22. You don't have to go there. 1 Peter 2 verse 22 says he never sinned for or, uh, sorry, he never sinned nor ever deceived anyone. Okay, that's one of the ways he fulfilled the law. Okay, by obedience, perfect obedience. And then number three, he fulfilled the sacrificial system by becoming the ultimate sacrifice for humanity's sins. So, the sacrificial system, the sacrificing of animals. No? What did John the Baptist say when he saw Jesus? Look. There comes the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Okay, so that is how Jesus fulfilled that, that aspect of the law. He himself became the sacrifice and the high priest that brings the sacrifice. <clears throat> and then number four, Jesus brought in the new covenant. The new covenant replaced the old covenant of the law, providing forgiveness of sins and salvation through faith in Jesus Christ. So Jesus ended all reason for hostility between the Jew and the Gentile. Okay, let's go to Galatians 3 verse 23. Jesus ended all reason for hostility between Jews and Gentiles. Galatians 3 verse 23. We don't, yeah, there's no Jews among us, so there should be no reason for hostility between us, amen? We're all Gentiles. <laughs> so, no, we're not Gentiles. We're believers, amen? <laughs> we are the new creation, amen? I'm getting there. <laughs> Galatians 3 verse 23 says, before the way of faith in Christ was available to us, we were placed under the God, uh, under God by the law. We were kept in protective custody, so to speak, until the way of faith was revealed. What does that mean? The way of faith was revealed. Jesus is the way of faith. Yeah, he said it there in the beginning of verse 23. Before the way of faith in Christ was available to us, no? until the way of faith was revealed. Verse 24, let me put it another way. The law was our guardian until Christ came. It protected us until we could be made right with God through faith. And now that the way of faith has come, we no longer need the law as our guardian. The way of faith he is talking about is Jesus. Faith in Jesus to be put in right relationship with God. Verse 26. 
For you are all children of God through faith in Christ Jesus. It's interesting to me, I didn't plan it, but that's been, been echoing all throughout the message as well. Uh, for you are all children of God through faith in Christ Jesus. And all who have been united with Christ in baptism, that is not water baptism, eh? that is being immersed. You remember when I spoke about that baptism? It, baptism is a picture of being put into Christ. Okay? Being completely covered by Him. This is, he's going to show you another image here. Uh, he says, like putting on new clothes, completely covered. Putting on new clothes. There is no longer Jew or Gentile, slave or free, male and female. In the flesh there is, <laughs> in the flesh there is only male and female. Eh? <laughs> If you if you watch YouTube and stuff like that, you'll know what I'm talking about. There's some yo, there's a lot of confusion in this world with regards to that. It's sad. Okay? It is very sad because it's so simple. Yeah. Okay. Um, it just shows you how deceived the world is. Like we said in the beginning of the message, how completely lost they are. Um, <laughs> exactly, exactly. For you are all one in Christ Jesus. That is the important phrase that I want to highlight. For you are all one in Christ Jesus. And now that you belong to Christ, you are the true children of Abraham. The true children of Abraham. The Jews thought that they were the true children of Abraham because of their heritage, their ancestry according to who they are in the flesh. Mm. Eh? Yeah. The true children of Abraham is everyone who believes. Yeah. You understand? Yes. You are his heirs and God's promise to Abraham belongs to you. That is so awesome and so clear. I don't, need, I don't think I really need to explain much more, but... What really stands out to me is the unity that can now exist between believers. Yeah. We are all one in Christ Jesus. There are no more distinctions. It doesn't matter if you are rich or poor, man or woman, old or young, whatever race you might be, whatever culture you might come from, where you live, nothing of that matters. It's who you are in the Spirit. You are son and daughter of God. Who you are in the flesh is not your identity. Who you are in the spirit is the real you. Second Corinthians, like Rita said earlier, Second Corinthians 5 verse 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Let's take that literally. A new creation. You are a human being no longer. You are a human being with the spirit of God on the inside of you. There is something different about us. There is something different. We are the new creation. All things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. We need to not just see ourselves in this way, but we also need to see our brothers and sisters in this way. We need to see the potential of 
every person out there who does, who does not know Jesus, they've got the potential to be this. Amen. It is easy to ignore people if you look at them according, only according to the flesh. Oh, that's just another homeless person. That's just another beggar, you know. That's just another drug addict. No, that is someone who just like you have the Spirit of God in them if they are a believer. If they are not a believer yet, they are someone that Jesus sacrificed his life for. Who is greatly valued. Someone who is greatly valued and priceless to God. Someone who God wants to bring into his family. If we look at Ephesians 2 verse 11, we see that the Jews had the same attitude. They saw the Gentiles as uncircumcised heathens. Yeah. Who cares about them? You know, if you've got that attitude, it's easy not to share the gospel. It's easy to just move on because this person is just. Mm. Just. No? That's not true. We need to see people with the same eyes that we see ourselves, with the Spirit of God in us. Or the potential to have the Spirit of God inside them. The potential to become a son and a daughter of the Most High God. <clears throat> um, Ephesians 2 verse 17. Ephesians 2 verse 17. He brought this good news of peace to you Gentiles who were far away from him and peace to the Jews who were near. Now all of us can come to the Father through the same Holy Spirit because of what Christ has done for us. This I believe is a very important verse. <coughs> it starts with the word now. Verse 18, now all of us can come to the Father through the same Holy Spirit. It's like he's saying, now, finally, this is the, 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 the slotsom, that is Valnon's Amen. This is where we were, were, this is where we want to be. This is the conclusion. Amen. Not the conclusion of my message, it's just Paul's conclusion. <laughs> okay. This is the point where he wanted to bring them. Okay? Um, it is like he is saying, this is what we have all been waiting for. Okay? We can all come to the Father through the same Holy Spirit. Think about that, guys. Amen. Do we realize what a great gift that is? Yeah. What a privilege it is? That we can have a direct relationship with God. We don't have to be like the Roman Catholics who have to go to a priest in order to have relationship with God. Amen? You can have a direct relationship with God. Jesus came so that there doesn't have to be any priests anymore. Direct relationship with God. Do we, do we value that? To be able to call God our Father. Wow. That is what we have. And that is what we can freely give to someone else. Think about it. Think about it. 
Okay, verse 19. So now you Gentiles are no longer strangers and foreigners. You are citizens along with all God's holy people. You are members of God's family. Don't, don't read it as he's, he's saying this to them. Read it as he is saying this to you now. Yeah. You are citizens along with all God's holy people. You are members of God's family. Together we are his house, built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets. And the cornerstone is Christ Jesus himself. We are carefully joined together in him, becoming a holy temple for the Lord. Through him, you Gentiles are also being made a part of his dwelling, where God lives by his spirit. Wow. What a beautiful description of the church. We are all brothers and sisters in God's family. We as believers all together is the temple of God. The place where God has made himself at home. When God looks at the church, when God looks at us, he says, home sweet home. Huh? Home sweet home. God has made his home in us. With all of this in mind, Paul encourages the Ephesian church in chapter 4. Now we go to Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4. And this is my last scripture. Ephesians chapter 4 says, 4 verse 1, Therefore I, a prisoner for serving the Lord, beg you to lead a life worthy of your calling. For you have been called by God. Always be humble and gentle, patient with each other, making allowance for each other's faults. Yeah, I thought this morning when you mentioned it. Be patient with each other, making allowance for each other's faults because of your love. Make every effort, make every effort to keep yourselves united in the Spirit, binding yourselves together with peace. Eh? For there is one body and one Spirit just as you have been called to one glorious hope for the future. There is one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all, in all, and living through all. Listen to that. There is one Lord, one faith, one baptism, and one God and Father of all, who is over all, in all, and living through all. Amen. That is each and every one of us who believe. Because we are one body. All together the family and the temple and the priesthood of God. We need to make sure we do everything we can to prevent the enemy from causing division. Among us. Amen. 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 He says make every effort. To keep yourselves united in the Spirit. Paul says always be humble. That means you put yourself. No, no, not yourself. You put others before yourself. Okay? 
You put others before yourself. You look for ways to serve others. You don't just plan how to get other people to serve you. You don't come here looking how the church can serve you. You come here with a heart ready to serve. Amen. That is what humbleness is. When we come together as the family of God, we come with hearts that want to give and bless. Amen. Not just financially. Not just financially. But it includes finances. Okay? Amen. <laughs> Amen. And then he also says, we make room for each other's faults because of our love for God. Can you say that you love God if you don't love your brothers and sisters? No. No. That means that we forgive each other. It means that we forgive each other as Christ Jesus has forgiven you. How can we pray and say thank you God for your forgiveness and then not forgive your brother or sister? Amen. If we do this, there's probably some more things that we could do to, to keep the unity. But I think those two things are is pretty key and will help a lot. Being humble, being willing to serve, not looking out for your own needs only, and being willing to forgive. Those two. Those two things. Make every effort to keep yourself united in the Spirit, binding yourselves together with peace, for there is one body and one Spirit, just as you have been called to one glorious hope for the future. Amen. If we do this, we will do what is needed to keep ourselves united in the Spirit. Amen. You can find more of our free teachings on our website, www.gracelife.ca. And if you're ever in the Solaris Pass area, we invite you to join us for one of our gatherings. Our aim is to help you discover Jesus, find family, and experience life. To contact us, or to find out where and when we meet, visit our website www.gracelife.ca